Once again, thank you for making an effort to be here this morning. I appreciate it very much, and uh, I'm glad to see you all. And uh, it's a beautiful morning to serve the Lord. And uh, I think it's awesome watching the little kids sing. I don't know if you were watching the little girls over here. They were bouncing up and down during it. And then the song changes, and it's swaying back and forth. It's hilarious. It's a beautiful thing, though. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. We are at the very end of a very, very, very long series um, entitled Road Rash, where failure and faith collide. We've learned so much from the man, Peter, and uh, we're all on this road together. And we're all on this journey uh, of this life, and as life passes us by, as we make uh, you know, our way down the road, we, we experience various times that leave an impact on who we are leave an impact on us in some way, shape, or form. It may be a pothole in the road of life. It, it may be a speed bump. It may just be a, a rough patch of road. But as we travel down, all of these occasions leave at times some lasting impression on us. And uh, we met this man named Peter a long time ago, <laughs> several months ago, several years ago it seems like. And uh, he was a fisherman from Galilee rock-hard hands that met there with Jesus on the, on the shore of Galilee. And the rabbi called him to follow, and uh, we found out what it meant to be sanctified. Remember that? Little boy takes the cupcake off of the plate, or the brownie off of the plate, and he gives it a big lick, and sticks it back on the plate. That's what it means to be sanctified. The second lesson, we gained perspective from Peter about salvation, suffering, and confusion. We took a 30,000-foot view rather than to see life like we do, all the little tedious things. We took a 30,000-foot view and tried to see life the way God sees it. The third one, we have to come to a point in our lives that uh, we realize what Jesus has done for us, what God has done through us, for us, through Jesus Christ. And, and because of that, because of reading and studying and, and looking at the Word of God, we have a therefore moment. That moment in time when we've come to the crossroads, if you want to put it that way, and we have a decision to make. Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve ourselves? We need to be obedient children. And we also live as temporary residents. The fourth lesson we heard was all about holiness. Finding out how to live like what we already are. Then Peter taught us about growth. Some ways to measure growth and some, some sin to get rid of in ourselves. Growth happens based on our decisions and our actions. The curtain of the temple was torn in the sixth lesson that we learned, allowing us full access to the priesthood. We are priests. Because we are priests, we now have full access to God, and along with that comes responsibility of being children of action. People are seen as victims of the evil one rather than as enemies. We can combat and defend and, and go after a policy, but never a person. The eighth lesson found us learning about ideas, that, uh, how these ideas rather play out with our employees and with our employers, and how they, they play out with our spouses and how they play out with our families. Over and over, Peter tells us that Here's what God has done for you, and because of that, here's who you are, and, and now here's how you are to live. Then Peter took us to court. We were all called to the witness stand. 
to testify. We were asked to give reason for the hope that we have. As we join Peter on the witness stand, our testimony is what is impossible to discredit. Your story, what God has done for you personally, is undeniable. We avoid objections in the courtroom. You've heard them. Objection, Your Honor. Hearsay. No, it's not hearsay because this story happened to me. It happened to you, okay? It wasn't hearsay. It wasn't, there's, there's no such thing as lack of foundation. The event you are telling about directly involved you and God. There is zero speculation. It wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't just imaginative. This event happened to you. God saved you and me. Lesson number 12, we learned that Christ suffered for us. He did it so that we don't have to. We talked about turning in to God's radio frequency, allowing His programming to flow through us, to be a conduit of His love for us and for others around us. Lesson number 13, good intentions versus true followers of Christ. The most profound statement in that message, and I know that you guys were all just completely amazed by it, it was followers follow, right? Then we discussed what these days really look like and how, they, how we should respond to them. We need to pray proactively. We need to love deeply. We need to show hospitality. Play your part in our world. We talked about suffering for the fourth time in the series and in the 15th version of it, right? We looked at the sources of suffering, though. And then a couple weeks ago, we learned that you can't drive a sheep. We need to think like a shepherd. And not, not think about you, but think about the sheep. We need to serve with enthusiasm. You need to lead by example and lead with a long-term perspective in mind. Like a glacier, not an avalanche. Mm -hmm. And last couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, no, it was two weeks ago, we learned how to build a resume. You remember Eric's resume? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Not like Eric. We learned that we need to build our resume with submission, with humility, and with patience. This series has been amazing. Peter has taught me some phenomenal things from this short book of 1 Peter. Today we're going to look at a battle plan. He ends with these famous last words. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. If you have a Bible, please turn there with me. If you brought a phone that has a Bible app on it, I want you to turn there with me. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at starting in verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5. I want you to keep your Bibles handy today because I want to, uh, there's a couple of passages of Scripture that we're going to look up and that we're going to read. And I want, to see, I want you to see it from your, your version, your Bible, your whatever it is, your app. And uh, look at it with me. 1 Peter chapter 5. Start reading in verse 8. For that, let's look to God in a word of prayer. God, thank you for the opportunity to have a place to meet, to be able to meet without persecution. God, I thank you for giving us a country that allows us to serve you uh, freely. God, I thank you for all of those that made an effort to be here this morning, that gave up some of their own personal time on a Sunday morning to come and listen to your word, listen to the message that, that is presented. God, I pray that as we as we listen, as we, as we have sung, as we have 
prayed, as we have partaken of the Lord's Supper, all of these things, God, help us as we discuss even. And help it to be a blessing to our lives and help us to learn from it and be able to apply these things directly to our lives so that we can be better people for you. God, thank you for what Peter has written and the, the things that we can gain and glean from his, his thoughts on the matter. God, I pray that you'll bless the rest of our morning. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter chapter 5, look at verse 8. It says, Be alert of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Then he goes on with some greetings. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together for you, sends her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Why does he say Babylon? Well, it's sort of a key phrase, but, but he knew that this letter would get grabbed as it tried to make its way through Nero country. And he wanted it to make it past that. He wanted it to make it to the churches that God wanted it to get to. The church, she, who is in Babylon, which is, you know, what he's talking about here. Verse 14, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Bill, don't come up to me and start smooching on me even though I know you want to. And this verse tells us to. It's all good. Peter lays out the battle plan here. And we're going to look at three, three these, these key verses, and we're going to look at three main points here. Uh, he tells us how to get out of, uh, go about this life of ours, and he has room to talk. He has been there. He has done this. He is, he's just about done all of that, right? He's close, probably close to the end of his life. He's been in this battle almost 30 years since Christ has passed and he sits down and he writes back to us that first piece he says be controlled or sober mind what's he talking about we need to know ourselves you know what being self-aware is vital to being an asset in this battle know who you are know who you are what you are capable of and also know your own limitations if if we don't know ourselves very well we find ourselves in very tough spots, in situations where we may not necessarily be able to navigate very well. In battle, we need to know who we are. We need to know ourselves. Right there it says, be controlled or be self-controlled and sober. What does it mean to be self-controlled and sober? Well, we can obviously talk about, about drugs and alcohol, how they uh, lower our inhibitions and how they make it so that we're not completely all there, how we're not completely... Uh, ready for battle. We're sort of subdued and we're sort of not necessarily where we need to be. We lack self-control when we're into those things. Well, let's be clear. Just because the state says that marijuana is okay doesn't necessarily mean it's okay for us, right? It's still a substance 
and it's still abuse. And when we go into something like that, it lowers our inhibition. It messes, plays with our mind, and it doesn't allow us to function properly. Maybe it's not drugs and alcohol. Maybe it's not some sort of crutch like that. Maybe it's, maybe it's anger. Maybe you lack self-control when it comes to anger. Maybe it's very simple for you to snap and, and to go off on someone. Maybe it's in your own personal relationships, the ones that are closest to you, that you have a hard time controlling your anger. Maybe that's the gap. Maybe that's the place where Satan tries to get you. We need to be self-controlled. Maybe it's in your, in your lust. Maybe you used to control the internet, and maybe now the, the internet controls you. Maybe it's, maybe it's just working. There's nothing wrong with working, right? Well, maybe it's gotten out of control. And maybe you find your validity at work, and so you live there. It is all-consuming, and it completely controls you rather than you controlling it. Maybe it's your pride. Do you let the, your pride get the best of you? Maybe it's your finances. All of these things can be out of control slightly. We can allow Satan to work in these areas of our lives. If you have an area of your life that you are not in complete control, that's where Satan's going to get you. That's where he's going to start in and start working on you. That second piece, it says be alert or be sober. We need to be alert. Why? Well, because when we became a Christian, when you decided that, you know what, I am going to start following Jesus Christ, when I'm going to be a Christ follower, when you decided to do that, you basically put, and we talked about this before, you put a big, huge target right on you because now Satan is gunning for you. He may not be able to get to God the Father, but how do you get to the man? Is you start messing with his kids. When you became a Christian, when you became a Christ follower, you put a big old huge target on you. We need to be alert because he's aiming for us. In order to get to God, he goes for us. And you know what? Satan is an expert. John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to make may have life so that you may have it in the full. Satan's here to steal, kill, and and destroy. He's a burglar, right? And he only needs a little opening. He only needs a small crack in your life to get in and destroy and to start working on you and start working you over. I have a routine that I go through and it's time to go to bed. And most of the time it includes checking a few doors, checking a few windows, making sure that things are secure, making sure that things are locked up, right? There's been times when I've heard something in the middle of the night man, did I, did I go through my routine? How could have somebody got into this house? Uh, what, what in the world? There are moments when our front door doesn't latch all the way. You lock it and it feels like it's locked, but it's not latched all the way. And if we get some wind blowing through or some, some, something going on outside, that door will just kind of open on its own. And the moments that, and Greg kind of talked about one the other day, the moments in life when it's kind of scary, is when you hear something out there in the, in the living room and you get up and you go out there and that front door is standing wide open. That chill goes down your spine and you think, oh, 
we're not alone. So I creep back in the bedroom, and me and Magnum 44 do a tour of the rest of the house, right? And we make sure that there's no one else in the house. Most of the time, it's just the wind that pushed it open. But still, you have to think about it. Any little crack, any little place. How many, how many places does a burglar need to get in? Does he go and check and make sure that there's four windows that are open and cracked? Does he make sure that there's four doors that are available and open? No, he doesn't. All he needs is one. Satan's the same way. You may have everything together, and just the fact that you're sitting here this morning makes it appear like you might have everything together. But you don't have cracks. You don't have gaps. You don't have situations in your life where Satan can work. But it only takes one. It only takes one little crack, one little space in your life where you are not completely controlled where you don't have complete self-control that's where satan can get in first john chapter 4 and verse 4 we get some encouragement it says you dear children are from god and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world he is greater the one that's inside of you is greater and you can defeat Satan. It is possible for you to overcome the evil one. But we can't leave gaps. The burglar only needs one point of entry. Where's it at in your life? Where is he finding an opening? Where is he finding that space that you've left some room for him to get in? Is it the internet? Maybe it's within relationships. Maybe it's in anger or rage. We need to know ourselves. And secondly, we need to know our enemy. We need to know ourselves. We need to be self-aware, but we also need to understand our enemy. Look at verse 8. It says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Two points on this. He stalks his prey. You've seen it on Animal Planet. You've seen it on the internet. You may have seen it on YouTube where the cheetah is kind of crouching and moving through the grass and there's a flock of, are they called a flock? No, they're probably called a herd. A herd of gazelles, right, out there in the, in the grass. And the cheetah sort of comes in undetected and you don't want to watch. You don't want to like, well... Let's just, let's just turn it off because that's, that's not going to be good when the, the cheetah eats the gazelle again. But you know what's going to happen, and most of the time you just go ahead and watch it. And, and the cheetah kind of moves around the herd a little and looks around to find what? One. And what does it look for? It looks for the weak one. It looks for the one that is, maybe has a, a hurt leg. Maybe it's the one that is a little smaller than all the rest. That's the one the cheetah goes for. Satan stalks his prey, just like the cheetah does. He looks for that one gap, that one hole, that one person who allows Satan to work. And maybe it's just one piece of your life. 
I was watching one one time where the lion wasn't a cheetah this time, it was a lion, and and it was actually sneaking up on some, I never know what they are, I don't know if it's a wildebeest or if it's a water buffalo or what it is, but it was sneaking up on some of those uh, crazy looking creatures, dark colored, kind of looked like cows, but, uh, but anyway, big lioness sneaking up on some cows, and when you first, when the first, when the scene came on, it was just a field, a grass field, and you couldn't see anything. There was nothing to be seen. You're like, what is this? I thought this was going to be another lion eats gazelle kind of thing. It was just grass. But then the wind blew, and you could barely make out the back of a big old lion, the, the back of its head, in the grass. And when the wind blew just right, you could see its head. And then... You know, when the wind blew, you could look kind of over the ridge just a little bit, and there was its prey. And this lion would sit there watching it. The, the video went on for a long time. It went on for probably seven or eight minutes. And all you'd see is the wind blow down and the lion sitting there. Well, every once in a while, the lion would make a little movement. Like, okay, well, what's going to happen? What's going to take place here? And the video just ended. And it says, sometimes the lion doesn't go for the prey. Sometimes it just watches. That creeps me out more than just watching the lion eat it. If the lion doesn't always go for the prey, that just makes me, oh, not, not, I'm not okay with that. Because that means Satan does the same thing. If Satan prowls around like a roaring lion... Satan probably does the exact same thing. He sneaks up with just, just within earshot or just within eyesight of us. And he sits there and watches. He sits there and waits for an opportunity to get in our lives. I'm not okay with that. It's, it scares me. It makes me uneasy to know that the enemy just sits and watches and waits for an opportunity to get to me. We need to understand our enemy. He stalks his prey. We can't leave a foothold available. We have got to eliminate those cracks and those gaps in our lives. And secondly, he devours us, his prey. He doesn't just want to play with you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to ruin your life. His goal is to drain your hope. His hope is is to discourage you until you are worthless, till there's nothing left of you. He doesn't want to just come in and mess around for a little while and have a little fun with you and then move on to someone else. That's not the way Satan plays. He comes in and he gets a little foothold in and then he just wants to completely destroy who you are. And if you're letting him play with you, beware. Because he's not playing fair. And he's not going to play fair. When he gets inside, he is going to destroy you. That's the, what he wants to do. He devours his prey. Now this one really messed with my head. Once again, Animal Planet, the series is called, or the, yeah, I think it's a series. The series is called Monster, let's make sure it's right, Monster Inside Me. Have any of you seen those? Monster Inside Me. I thought it was one episode, but there's like five seasons on Animal Planet, right? You can get on YouTube and look them up. There's like five different seasons of this monster inside of me. 
It's episode after episode after episode of parasites that get inside of our bodies and basically eat us from the inside out. A young lady went to with her girlfriends to a sushi restaurant and had some salmon. Some raw salmon, right? And three days later, she got a very bad ache in her stomach. And this particular, and I don't know the name of it, it starts with an A. I don't know the name of this parasite. It's kind of like a roundworm. But it basically thrives in ma- uh, uh, sea mammals. So like sea lions and um, those kinds of mammals. But for some reason or somehow it got into this salmon that she was eating. And literally within hours she was ha- she had to have been she had to rush been rushed be rushed to the emergency room and they had to go in and remove this mass from inside of her inside the sea lion this roundworm can can survive within the gut of the sea lion but in the gut of a human this particular parasite cannot survive and so when it gets in you it tries to get out because of the acidity in your stomach and as that roundworm tries to get out it dies and so your, our bodies, the human body, attacks it with all of the, what do they call it? All of those white blood cells, but it's, it's antibodies. Yeah, there's all kinds of things that attack that, right? And so it makes this big, huge mass within our intestines. And so that mass of, and so the worm dies, but because the body is attacking it, it, it leaves this big, huge mass inside, and it blocks your intestines. Obviously, you can't have blocked intestines. You get messed up, right? So these, these things that can live inside of you just, it just <laughs> totally creeps me out. Don't eat raw fish. Because later on in the episode, it said very plainly that raw fish, there's three ways that you can eat raw, oh, there's three ways you can eat fish. One, you can cook it, make sure it's 150 degrees or whatever, cook it all the way through. You can lightly sear it on both sides, right, and just kind of eat it. And the third way is like you do it in lemon juice and all kinds of other juices and, and eat it that way. Two out of those ways of cooking it, you can still get that parasite. And they are in, the, the doctors or the people went to a lot of the different um, places where they bring in the fish markets, where they bring in the fish markets, and they tested several of them. And most of the ones that they tested had these little parasites in them. Not to say you're always going to get one, but you know what? I'm going to cook my fish. Especially if it was a sea-living creature. He devours his prey. And when he gets inside of us, he wants to destroy us. He wants to take us and destroy us. He doesn't want to just inhabit within and, and chill out. He wants to get in and completely destroy us. It's kind of like a story I remember from the Old Testament. Israel was going in and attacking the promised land. And a family man named Achan thought, you know what, it probably won't be that big a deal. Nobody will know. I'm just going to go ahead and grab this robe and I'm going to go ahead and grab some gold and some other stuff and I'm going to keep it for myself. Well, the the next battle that the Israelites faced was a small town. It was, should have been an easy battle, but Israel got routed. 
they were killed. They were completely annihilated. They had to retreat and run away. Achan stole some things, and they had to be pointed out. There was a parasite within the body, and it had to be gotten out of. It had to be had to be get rid of. So Joshua lined up the families and walked them through, and God showed them, showed him, which family. And Achan and his whole family had to be stoned. God, God had to get rid of them. Had to get them out of there. What do you have in your life that is giving Satan some room to work? Where is it within you? Maybe it's that vice that you know you've been struggling with it for a long time. It's just that one thing that you just can't quite get rid of. You can't quite whip. Maybe it's a crutch. Well, I take this pill for my anxiety. I eat this bag of chips because it, it helps me relax. I eat these two pizzas because it helps me feel better. Maybe it's something that you say, well, this really isn't hurting anyone else. It's not really doing any damage to anybody else. So I think it's okay. Nobody will really know if I don't give God my tithes and offerings today. It's just a little bit every now and then, and, and I, don't, I don't really look at that much porn. It's just every once in a while. I really don't hate that person. I just, I just choose not to be around them because things will go better if I just keep my distance. It's at this point in the message that most people think, you know, I know somebody that really needs this message. I know somebody that has that problem. I know somebody that has that sin that they just can't get rid of. Church, we need to turn it on ourselves. We need to look at our own lives. Where is it that we're giving Satan a little room to work? He doesn't play fair. He wants to destroy you. Do you ever notice how before you're married, Satan doesn't, doesn't have, you know, he does everything in his power to get you to have sex with your partner, get you to have sex before marriage. And then after you're married, he does everything within his power to keep you from having sex with your partner, with your spouse. Why is that? Seriously, when was the last time that you saw a scene on a movie or a scene on a, on a TV show or something like that where a husband and wife, there was some sort of love scene between a husband and wife? How many of you have seen that lately? No, it's not there. Gross. Everybody's like, eww, Gross. But it's perfectly normal to see that sexy young thing and that gentleman get hooked up for what seems like a harmless situation. We become, we become desensitized to the fact that sex 
needs to remain where God designed it to be within a marriage. He's got parasites that work for him. He's a parasite himself. He's going to pull mom and dad apart to the point that kids don't know what it's like to have a real relationship. What a real relationship between husband and wife should look like. He's going to play games. Think about your relationships. Think about your habits. Think about where Satan has been given room to work. Satan's real. So is sin. We have to shut him down. We cannot allow him to exist for any length of time. Verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. We're all dealing with the same thing. And the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will he, he himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We need to know our enemy. And lastly, we need to know our battlefield. <clears throat> I want you to turn to a passage of Scripture in Proverbs. I don't think Justin's going to have all this on the screen. Well, he's going to have the quotation on the screen. Proverbs chapter 7. Go with me real quick. We're going to end with this this morning. Proverbs chapter 7. You got your Bibles? I don't hear any rustling. You got your apps? I don't hear any clicking. Where's Proverbs? It's right next to that one that's right in the middle of it. It's huge. It's got like 100, 150 verse, 150 chapters in it. It's one right after that. Psalms and then Proverbs. We don't typically read this passage of Scripture in the, in the sanctuary. Proverbs chapter 7. In Proverbs chapter 6, there's lots of different warnings that happen where, where Solomon is warning his son about things. And then chapter 7, he gets real real down to business. Look at it. My son, keep my words and store my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relatives. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. You may not be a young man in this room today, and you may not be seduced by an adulterous woman, but every single one of us in this room has a gap in our lives and has a weak point in our lives that Satan wants to manipulate. Satan wants to get in there and he wants to destroy you. This may not directly apply to you, young man with an adulterous woman, but you know in your own life that there is a piece of you that is lacking just a little bit. There's a piece of you that there's a little tiny gap Apply these things to that gap. Think about it. At the window, window of my house, I looked down through the lattice and saw among the simple. I noticed among the, uh, among the young man a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, then out came a woman to meet him. Dressed like a prostitute with a crafty intent, 
She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner, she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, Today I fulfilled my vows, and I have food for my fellowship offerings at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And all at once, he followed her. All at once... He followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Immorality is the sin of the ignorant, not the wicked. This guy wasn't setting out to lose his life. He was not going about his way just to ruin it. He wasn't trying to get himself in trouble. But you know what? He wasn't self-controlled and alert. There were gaps. Secondly, we need to avoid the path, not the person or the sin. We need to avoid the path. What is the place that you are most likely to lose control? Don't avoid the sin. Avoid that person or avoid that place that leads to that sin. Avoid the path. Don't go down that road. If your anger flares when you go in that direction, go in a different direction. Change the path. Number three, never underestimate the power of our sin nature or the enemy. When we stop fighting or guarding, that's when we are dead. We have got to learn to constantly be at battle with Satan. We can't just give in. Stephen Farrar wrote a book called Finishing Strong. He did a survey of strong men, ministry men, business leaders that have had affairs. He said those men had two things in common. They had two things in common. One of them was that every man said he had an accountability group. What? How could he have an affair with an accountability group? And secondly, the second thing that those men who had affairs had in common is every man said it wouldn't happen to him. Never underestimate your sin nature or the enemy. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. Number four, the consequence always outweighs the satisfaction. The consequence always outweighs the satisfaction. Proverbs 7 and verse 24, look at it with me again. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. 
Do not let your heart turn to her ways and stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Consequences are always worse than the satisfaction. What part of your life are you allowing the evil one a chance with you? Where's your gap? Preacher, you're really kind of depressing today. This is really just not what I wanted to hear today. I want to be uplifted and told about the love of God today. You know what? The love of God is still there, but I just want us to understand that there's an evil one and he wants to get us. We've got to play. We've got to play our role. We've got to fight the, the battle. Otherwise, we're going to get eaten alive. But fortunately for all of us, and here's, here's the, the silver lining. Failure is not something you are. Failure is something you've done. You're not a failure just because you've got that gap, just because you've, you've got that situation in your life where sometimes Satan likes to get you. You're not a failure. Failure is something you've done. We can be forgiven. We can, we can overcome sin. We can close up those gaps in our lives where the enemy is lurking. We need to know ourselves. We need to be self-aware. We, we need to understand where those gaps are. Second, we need to understand the enemy. We need to understand that he is there. He's stalking us. He's going to destroy his prey. And if we don't close those gaps, if we don't seal that up, if we don't fight against him, he's going to eat us alive. And thirdly, we need to know our battlefield. We need to know what we're up against. We need to know how to deal with the things that are being thrown our way. This is a battlefield, and we've got to have a plan. And that plan is knowing ourselves, and we need to know our enemy. We need to know our battlefield. We need to know what this world's all about. Be able to defend against it. I appreciate you listening this morning. I appreciate you trying to work with me to understand it. I appreciate you thinking about what it is that, that might be a gap in your life. It might be that area where Satan is getting the best of you. Let's think about it. Let's do something about it. God's message, your move. What are you going to do about it? How can you close that gap? How can you look around your life and find out where those things are that you know, Satan might have a chance at getting in? We've got some discussion questions that we're going to go to next, and uh, we'll talk about these things. Please come up and get one when we dismiss here and um, find a group of, of four or five and, and sit down and, and some, discuss some of these questions, maybe apply these things a little bit further. We're going to dismiss in just a few minutes and uh, allow you to go to, uh, the, all the kiddos can go to their classes. And uh, before that, I, I have a couple announcements. We've got the Valley 5000. It's a run-walk put on by the city of Loveland that it is a benefit for this building, for the H&S. And so I want us to do our best to participate. It's coming up Friday, October, October, August 28th. Friday, August 28th. And they've changed the time. They've moved it up a half an hour. It's now going to start at 6.30 on that Friday evening. I want all of us to come out and participate. Whether you sign up on the h &S website and actually run the run or walk the run, it costs $27 and all of that money goes towards the, this building. 
if whether you do that or not, I still want all of us to come out. If you don't want to run the run or walk the walk or whatever, uh, just come out and be hang out there at the finish line, at the start line, and cheer on those who are running. And uh, there's a sign-up list on that um, back table back there for T-shirts. The birth line is going to get us a bunch of T-shirts, and we're going to wear those T-shirts. And um, those cost, like, I think they're five or six, and maybe they're $7.00. So just a donation to Birthline for those T-shirts, and we're just going to try to wear those T-shirts and um, get our name out there. And uh, if you don't buy one of those T-shirts, if you don't want to participate in those T-shirts, grab a, a Church at Loveland one and wear your Church at Loveland T-shirt on that night. So I'd like to, all of us to come out and uh, participate in that event. Also, this evening, or this afternoon, rather, starting at 4 o'clock, we have our elective classes uh, going on, going very well, I hear, uh, most of them. And... Uh, Except the ones I'm in, they're just kind of, no, actually, they're all doing very well. Four o'clock, we have a ladies' class at John's Book Study. At five o'clock, there's a study hall and a directed Bible study. So they're studying some books, right? What, are you, what, what book of the Bible are you going into? Or are you just doing Philippians when you get there? All right. So we're going to look at, look at Philippians. The study hall is just come in and study whatever topics and whatever subjects that you want to, want to talk about and study. Uh, number six, or number six. At 6 o'clock, there's a parenting class that's going to wrap up tonight. We're the last, last one of that. And then also there's a newlywed class, a newlywed couples class going on at 6 o'clock. And then at 7, we try to do some things, uh, exercise. And uh, I want to make a suggestion that we make tonight a, a wheel night. So you bring your wheels, okay? Not your motorcycle, not your motorized vehicles. Wheels that you ride or you pedal or you do something with it's on your body so like rollerblades or bicycle if you've got something like that bring that tonight and we'll do a little um a little tour um this evening with our our rollerblades or with our our bicycles if you've got one of those and want to participate in that that's kind of the direction we'll try to go tonight so anyway seven o'clock that's when that exercise will start if you want to participate in that all right any other things i need to announce before we dismiss to our classes and discussion groups Think of anything? All right. Kiddos, you know where you're going? Yeah? Okay, let's stand and we'll dismiss in prayer. We'll let the kids go to class. <clears throat> Dear God in heaven, we thank you so much for the, the joy it is to be called one of yours. And God, I thank you for uh, what Peter has written here and the fact that Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion and the warning that that is to us. God, help us to close up the gaps in our lives. Help us to not allow him a chance to get in. God, please help us in those weak moments that we have to help to ask for your help and guidance and leading in and helping us close those gaps so that we don't let Satan in. God, thank you for those that made an effort to be here. And please bless us now as we go to our classes and go to uh, our discussion groups. It will be a good quality time. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.